It's, um, this is embarrassing for us, just so you know. And, and we want the focus to be on the right man today. Amen? But thank you. We love you guys. I love this team. We got such an incredible body of Christ in this place. It's such a blessing to be a pastor here, to have the team that we have, to make the magic that we make happen here. Amen? It's just amazing, and you guys make it, you guys make it exciting to come to and to be a part of. So God bless you. We love you. If you're excited for the word this morning, all right. I have all the way from the South Bronx, from New Seasons Church, one of my favorite pastors, one of my friends, would you welcome Pastor Phil. God. Can we give God some praise in this house? God is so good, so worthy to be praised. For me, it is an honor. Thank you so much, George. For me, it is an honor to be here. My name is Phil. I'm the senior pastor. Like uh, George said, Pastor George said, I'm the senior pastor at New Season. <clears throat> and so uh, when I was invited to speak here today, um, I uh, found out it was for pastor appreciation. And so for me, uh, today's opportunity is not only to share God's word, but for me also to appreciate uh, the man of God that uh, God has blessed you uh, with as your pastor. Pastor George has been an amazing, amazing friend to me in the ministry. Uh, we've grown in relationship, and over the last couple of years, we've transitioned from just co-laborers uh, to God using him to be one of my pastors uh, and he's lent so much advice and wisdom and support. And um, so I dropped everything at church. We were in the middle of uh, one of our giving campaigns, and I was in the middle of one of my series. And, and Pastor George said, would you come and hang out? And I dropped everything just to be able to come and just tell you. And I don't know if you know it. I think I've heard it on stage. And, and uh, I think you know you have one of the most amazing men of God to call your pastor. And so I'm here today with uh, one of the members of our church. My wife couldn't be here with uh, me today. She's helping lead the church over there at New Season. But I'm here with one of our leaders. Uh, her name is Deaconess Stacy Paris. And so yeah, you can give it up for her, too. And so Deaconess Stacy, it was, it was an awesome. I, I, don't, I, I really regret allowing her to come with me today because all she was doing the whole service was saying, oh my God, it's so much nicer here. It's, she was like, oh, they don't give pumpkin spice coffee at our church, Phil. <laughs> For the whole service, everything, oh, this bulletin is now. I was like, can you go sit somewhere else? <laughs> that was what I got the whole service. How uh, much more awesome you guys than <laughs> <laughs> And so... Uh, I, I regret that she's here today, but <laughs> but my uh, experience with Pastor George is one that uh, I remember we were transitioning, so just our story in short, as a church, we started uh, as a small group in my home. My wife and I had just gotten married, and then we went to a little storefront. From there, we went to a gym. 
we were at a gym for about two years, and that was where God opened a door for us to go into a building, our uh, a building that we'd be able to use for worship. And I remember when we were transitioning, there were two brothers in our church that were, they, they knew everything about construction and renovation. Now me, when I tell you, you know, you put a, a keyboard in front of me, I love music, and you put some music paper and I can do work. But if you put a hammer and a, and a screwdriver, in my, I have no idea what one does and the other one doesn't do. And I remember those two brothers in our transition, they actually left the church. And there I was. We were walking into a building that was office. It used to be a, a congressman's office space. And so there was all this renovation that needed to be done, and I had no idea how to do it. Uh, and I reached out to your pastor, and can I tell you that your pastor was there with me day in and day out. He renovated. He led the renovation, and most of the work he even did himself. He's helped smash the walls and brought it down, and we have a stage, and, and, and he made it exactly the way I wanted it. And, um, and so I'm so grateful for Pastor George and so I just wanted to say that, and I'm really thankful for this opportunity to get to say that. Uh, I'm going to just move on to now my sermon. Uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, always past appreciation services are difficult for them because uh, they have no idea who, we, you know, who the church is thanking. They're like, I don't know about these people. I just came to hear something from God. So we thank you for allowing us to kind of uh, give all this love and, and, and show all this support to, to pastors. The last time I preached a pastor appreciation service was 17 years ago. 17 years ago, I was a, a younger man. I was 20 years old. And so my father, who now is celebrating his uh, 39th year of being a pastor, uh, I was invited to be the guest speaker at his pastor appreciation service. So 17 years ago, I took the stage in front of my father's congregation, uh, and I opened up with this as the introduction. My introduction was the top five reasons I would never be a pastor. That was my introduction. Top five reasons I would, and I called it the top, I didn't call it the five reasons, the top five reasons, because there was so many more. I said, I wouldn't want to be woken up late at night, and I can't handle people, and I don't, and I didn't, I don't do good with church people. I don't know why God called me to be a pastor, because church people are just a, a, a peculiar type of people, and, and so, and so, and so that was my introduction. Uh, and so now, 17 years later, uh, I've been blessed with the opportunity to preach at my, you know, and I've preached at different places, but now as, as, as far as a pastor appreciation service. I, I want to jump into the Word of God today. Uh, I want to read out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I don't, I'm only going to read one verse and, and then get out your way. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 58. I want to share with you a sermon today that not only applies to all the wonderful pastors that you saw on stage today, but I believe that will minister to each and every one of us. And, and in short, the title is, It's Not in Vain. It's Not in Vain. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 58. When you found out, would you shout a great big Amen. Praise the Lord. It's on the screen, so everybody should have said amen. I don't. They're like, give me a moment, Pastor Phil. It's right here behind me. <laughs> if you found 1 Corinthians chapter 15, would you shout amen, please? Amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I like this church. 
The word of the Lord is read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's over there too. I don't know. They didn't, they didn't say amen. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. If you believe that God's word is powerful and that it speaks to you, if you believe that today, would you join me? We're going to pray together. We're going to ask God. We're going to say, God, would you minister to us? And our prayer is going to be this, God, that you, we would be receptive to hear what God would have for us today. Would you join me as we pray? Father God, we thank you for this time together. Lord God, we've worshipped you and we've sang songs unto you, Lord. We, you've already started to minister to us, Lord God, even as we walked in through your doors, Lord God, of this your house, as, as we've been with our brothers and sisters sharing in fellowship. Father God, we pray that you would continue to minister to us through your word. We believe that in your word there is power and there is life. Lord God, that through your word, you use your word to transform us, to change us, Lord God. Uh, you use your word to encourage us, to convict us, and even to challenge us. I pray, Lord God, that you would use your word powerfully today, Lord, that you'd remove me, Lord God, and just use me as your vessel, Lord, to speak to this, your people. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have two uh, little girls, uh, an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old. I love music so much that I named my first daughter, daughter Melody and my second daughter Harmony. And so that's really their names. And so I, um, since they were little kids, I've, you know, so I'm just passionate about music. Uh, I was sharing with Pastor George, sitting right next to him, seeing his daughter play the piano uh, here. And, work, and I was like, I pray the day. Uh, and so they've already played at church and they've sang at church. And so I'm just praying that they get more involved. But I'm just really, really passionate about music. When they were little, we'd go on car rides. And so uh, I studied music before becoming a pastor. I was on course to being a music teacher. So I was studying at Queens College, the Aaron Copeland School of Music. And so there, remember hearing certain pieces. And I, I wanted to expose my daughters to certain types of different types of music. And we'd be in the car and I'd have them sing. And so, but the thing with me is, is that it has to be on point. It has to be precise. The notes have to be right. And I remember they were, you know, my daughter, my oldest one was three years old and we'd be in the car and I'd be like, baby, sing that song. And she'd be like, twinkle, twinkle. And one time she was singing along with a CD and, and I, I had been working with her for, for a while and she just couldn't get this one note right. And I pulled the car over onto the shoulder. <laughs> she really happy. I turned, I was like, no, baby, it's twinkle, twin, and I'm trying to teach the part because I want her to harmonize. I was like, I can't call you harmony if you can't harmonize, if you can't harmonize with your sister. And my wife told me, this is, this is true. She told me, Phil, I'm going to videotape you and submit this to ACS uh, or AC, whatever the child protective services are because this is child abuse and I was like no my daughter told she's eight years old now my little one and the other day she you know she, so one they play the violin they play the piano and so we're in there in our room and when we get in that room it's time for business every day and so I get there and we're working on some stuff and she's frustrated my little one gets frustrated easily and she's trying to play that violin and she was like dad I quit I'm not gonna do music anymore is what she tells me like, listen, you don't have to do music, but you're not going to be able to live here in dad's house. <laughs> That's how passionate I am about music. 
And I remember one time with, with, with my big one, with my big one, I was doing a sermon called Mary Had a Little Lamb because the Bible says that he is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world and his mother named Mary. And so for the introduction to that sermon, my, my, little, my big one was little. And, and so I had her play Mary Had a Little Lamb uh, in front of the church as the introduction to my sermon. And so she played. And I remember afterwards, everybody was just, you know, kind of pouring down accolades on her, telling her how wonderful she was. And, and I'm standing there. You know, I'd been working, you know, arduously for all those years years to get her to that musical level and there she was and 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 I was just standing there really proud and and they went up to her and they said they said Melody how did you learn so much about music and she said mommy taught me <laughs> and, and let me tell you something and she was in that age that everything was mommy mommy gave her I was like listen I have more musical ability in my pinky than your mother does in her whole body and and I was so angry and I was so frustrated after everything that I had poured into her and everything that I had given she wasn't giving credit to me for what she was able to do musically See, I don't know if you've ever been to a point in your life where you've invested and invested into something and perhaps not gotten the credit for it. The question is what we do, is it in vain? I don't know if you've ever poured into to something or, or someone and, and then you don't see the results, you don't see the, the fruit of all the work that you've done and you ask yourself, is what I'm doing in vain. I, my, my big one, I, I, I do, there's two things. I love music and, and I love mixed martial arts. And so I love cage fighting, right? Pastors are not supposed to do that, but you just pray for me because I'm still in my process with Jesus. And I love cage fighting. And so my little girls have done two things since they were little. They, they've played instruments and they've done jujitsu. They've done grappling. It, it's such a, to a point in, in my, our church, an initiation into the men's ministry is that my daughter has to be able to choke you and we got to see if you can tap or not. I'm telling you, it's really the truth. I have videos and videos of guys not tapping and just falling asleep and my little one's right there. And I remember one time, and my big one, my big one is so gentle. My little one is a fireball, but my big one, she's so gentle and she's so kind. And so I'm there, and I'm one of the parents on the side of the mats, and my big one is going against this little boy, a couple of years younger than her. And, and so the little boy is just doing what he wants, and he's flipping on her, and he's jumping on her, and she's not doing anything that I taught her to do. And I'm just starting to get, you know, a little, because I'm very competitive. That's the other thing about me, and I'm a little competitive, and I'm there on the side. And I remember the, the, the little boy's father uh, behind me, uh, and he's like, look at him beating that girl up. And I'm like, you don't know. She will choke your son out. She will break his arm. And I'm upset at my daughter. And I take her home, and my, my wife is trying to keep me away. And I'm like, honey, we went over all of this. Why wouldn't you, after hours and hours, why wouldn't you do what daddy? And she was like, no, but he was so little, and he was so cute. I was like, it doesn't matter how cute he is. I was getting frustrated because after all that time of pouring in and pouring in and pouring in, I wasn't seeing the fruit of all the work that I had done. You see, the things in life are a lot more important than little notes that, that they sing or, or being able to do good in jiu-jitsu. Sometimes we're, fa we're challenged in life that after everything we've done for a person, after everything we've poured in, and, and so as we appreciate pastors, sometimes the, the pastors ask themselves after years of work and years of, of pouring in, is it all worth it? Sometimes they don't get the credit that they deserve. 
Sometimes they don't see the, the, the product of, of what they do. And so today I want to answer that question. And so in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, we're going to kind of dissect that verse. And, and so it says, therefore, dear brothers, stand firm, stand firm. And, and I believe this is such a powerful word for our time because many times, especially amidst the chaos that is going on in our world, amidst all the things we hear on the news each and every day, I believe that God wants us to remember that we need to stand firm. We need to know that at the end of the day that God has us in the palm of his hands and that ultimately he, he loves us and ultimately he protects us. But he, the challenge that Paul has for us today is that we were to stand firm. You see, some of you walked in today and, and, and you're facing a storm in your life. Some of you walked in today and there's a big challenge that's coming up against you. And so Paul is challenging you to stand firm. But the question must be, stand firm in what? Stand firm in what? Well, well uh, we understand that the, the answer to that is found when we read that verse. It says, therefore. What therefore is in, in verse 58, therefore, is a bridge between what he said before and what he's about to share with you. He's saying, stand for, firm, therefore. He's saying, rewind to what I shared with you before. And if you rewind to what he shares in verse 56, it says this. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the victory that Jesus Christ gives us is is demonstrated when you read that whole chapter, what Paul is getting into is the power of the resurrection of Jesus. The power of the resurrection of Jesus. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, therefore, understanding the power of the resurrection of Jesus, therefore, stand firm. Stand firm in the knowledge of what Jesus did for you. You see, what, what he's challenging us to do is to stand firm in Christ's resurrection. And, and John chapter 14 verse 19 says this, because I live, you also will live. And, and what God is talking to us is that it's twofold. Number one, when we understand the, the, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, it allows us to stand firm. Number one, understanding the salvation that comes with that resurrection power. Understanding that because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, because he lives, John says, Jesus says, because I live, you will live also. Because he rose again on the third day with all power. It gives us salvation. It allows us to live again. And so we have a hope for the future, understanding that because Jesus lives, I can live also. But, but not only does he give us a hope for the future, but he gives us hope for today. You see, because sometimes we walk in seasons where some of you walked in today where there are certain dead things in your lives. There's some dead situations and there's some dead relationships and, and, and some of you walked in and your burden is because there's a dead marriage and, and you're saying, God, how am I going to get through this season? How am I going to get through this storm? Well, Paul is saying, stand firm, understand that Jesus Christ's resurrection power means that if he could beat the grave, there's nothing that he can't defeat in your life. He's saying if he can come back from the dead, well, there's some dead things that God wants to come alive in your life here today. 
you've been walking into a, in a season of desert, uh, in, a, in a dead season, and God is saying, I want you to stand firm in the resurrection of Jesus that says, though it is dead now, I have the power to bring that back to life. Somebody bless the name of the Lord. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 and 11 says this. He, Paul saying, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship and sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in death and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. He says, out of everything I wanted to know, and, and Paul was such a learned man, he was such an educated man, but he says, if there's anything I want to know, you know what I want to know? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. You know, I believe that sometimes there's some believers that go through their walk not understanding the power that God has blessed them with. There's some believers that are walking and allowing there to be dead things, not understanding that God wants to make that come alive in your life. The second thing that Paul says uh, in verse number 58, it's, uh, he says, let nothing move you, be immovable. Let nothing move you. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, it says, If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. So the first thing uh, that he's challenging us, he's saying stand firm is number one. Number two, he's saying don't move. Don't move. There's so many believers that I found in my walk with Jesus that, that, that their, their, their walk with the Lord is so erratic. It's so here today and, and gone tomorrow in that place now and then in that place. And there's all this movement. And sometimes God is saying, you need to learn how to be still and know that I am God. And so being still in God, and he's saying, don't allow things to move you here and there. Don't allow sometimes people's faith is here today and gone tomorrow. Why? Because they're not uh, holding on, standing firm, uh, and, and not moving from the hope that Colossians says held out in the gospel. Now, now I want you to understand this part of the verse. If the first part of the verse, standing firm, what, what Paul is talking to us about is about God's resurrection power. If the first part of the verse uh, speaks to God's power, it, it, the second part of the verse speaks to God's love. The first part speaks to God's power, and the second part speaks to God's love. He's saying, do not be moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is God's love message to humanity. Gospel is that I loved you so much that I sent down my son to die on the cross of Calvary for your sins. And, and, and if there was anything that this shows us, it is how much God loves us. You see, God, a God that was able, if he wanted to, could have started from scratch. Humanity had fallen into sin and, and and through the sin of Adam and Eve, all of a sudden we were separated from God. And if God wanted to, he could have erased it all and started from scratch. But no, for whatever reason, he loves us so much. And what God is saying is we what prevents us from moving and prevents us from going astray is being grounded and holding on to the love that God gives to us. You see, because it is not only an understanding of his resurrection power, but it is an understanding of his unconditional love. 
You see, when you start to live, you know, and that took, for me, it took me such a long time to start to understand what God's love really was all about. You see, because my upbringing was steeped in religion, but very little relationship as far as me and God. And I didn't really understand what it was to be loved by God. My perspective on God was like many perspective where it was God's just watching you to see when you're going to make your first mistake and like a referee is going to blow that heavenly whistle and going to say you're out of bounds, foul, you're wrong. And, and, and that was my understanding of God. And the more that I walked with Jesus and the more that I came into the realization and through relationship, I started to find out who God really was. He was a God that loved me so much that, number one, he, died on the, he sent his son to die on the cross for me. But, but I love the part of the Bible where it says this. This was the part that ministered to me. It says that, that neither height nor depth, it, 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 nothing is able to separate me from the love of God. And for some of us, that's exciting news. Because we've made certain mistakes in life and we've fallen into certain things in life. And sometimes because we have the wrong idea of who God is, we waver and we're back and forth not being grounded upon the love of God. I remember calling someone I hadn't seen in, at, at church in a while and I, I called her up and I said, hey, we miss you. And she said, Pastor Phil, I would love to be back in church. I'd love to come back. But I've just made so many mistakes. What's been keeping me away is just the guilt that I feel in my heart. And I said, man, you don't really understand the love of God. The love of God is one. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit does. It's so contrary to what the enemy does. When we mess up, the enemy uses guilt. And what guilt does is shame us into wanting to move away from God. But what the Holy Spirit does is use conviction. What conviction is, is number one, helps us to realize that what we did was bad. It, it's similar, guilt and conviction. It kind of feels the same way because what the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to believe is that we can just live life the way we want to live and, and do what we want to do and, and there's nothing wrong. And it's, God loves you and don't worry about it. He's, no, the Holy, when you really get into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will convict you and tell you what you did was absolutely wrong and make you feel horrible and make you feel like uncomfortable and saying there's something wrong. That's why when people start coming to church, they'll tell me, Pastor Phil, there's stuff that I'm doing now that I was doing every single weekend with no problem, but now I feel like there's something wrong with it. There's something I feel that's bad. What that is, is the Holy Spirit's conviction starting to tell you, listen, that's not what I want you to do, says the Lord. But the Holy Spirit's conviction will not push you away. What it does is say, even though you're wrong and even though you're messed up, I want to draw you into the love of a father. That is so unconditional. You see, when we start to look at him as dad, we start, we stop putting away, we start putting away that religious nonsense that says if you mess up, you can't be around him. You, you know what I found out uh, uh, becoming a parent that ultimately, even though my daughters may not do always what I want them to do, uh, rather they seldom do what I want them to do. Nothing they can do can make them, make me stop being their father. And some, somebody needed to hear that today because you've been just walking in guilt and shame. And, and just even being here today, you, you didn't want to even come. Let me tell you, you are in the right place at the right time with the right people declaring that God loves me and God loves you too. 
Let nothing move you. And, and we, have to, we have to do what Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says. Watch this. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19, it says, We have this hope, the hope, as an anchor for the soul. You, you want to know how to stand firm and you want to know how to, how, how to uh, not move? You need an anchor. I found this out. I remember uh, my family and I, we were growing up and my dad, um, we went out on a, on a, on a fishing expedition. We went out, my, my brother and I and my dad and my mom, we went uh, uh, crab fishing or crabbing. And so we went out and we, and my father says, you know, we're going we're gonna to catch some crab and we're going to, and so there were these cages that were set up. And so the way the cage is set up is that there, you hold it at different points and then you let it down. And once it hits the bottom, the box opens up. And so the cage opens up and there's some bait on it. And so the crab will crawl on it. And when you feel something, you pull it. And what that does is enclose the crab in it and it pulls it on. And, and I was about 12 or 13 years old. You know that point in your life where you absolutely know everything. All of a sudden you find out you don't need your parents anymore. You just know everything. That was the point of my life. And so I'm like 12 and 13. And my father's trying to explain to me, hey, this is what you. And I was like, no, we're going to do it my way. Watch that. You're old and you don't know anything. And I'm going to just show you how to do it. And so he was like, all right, Phil, you will lead us now. And so we went out and, and we're, rowing, we're on a rowboat. We're, I'm rowing out. And, and, and so we go, and I'm throwing the, these cages, and we're just kind of just, time, time was wasting, nothing, we weren't catching anything. And it was that every time we stopped, the boat was still drifting, and it was still moving, and it wasn't allowing the cage to, to hit the bottom. And he said, Phil, all you had to do was throw this anchor, and he throws the anchor off the side of the boat, and it stops the boat, allowing for the cage to finally hit the bottom. And I was just really upset. I didn't want to, you know, give in. And he caught some crab, and I didn't even want to eat it. You know, kind of my, <laughs> my pride got in the way. But, but what I needed to do was stop the boat. I needed to be anchored in something. And so what anchors us and stops us from moving here and moving there is understanding the love of God. That's what Colossians says. See, anchor yourself in the knowledge that God loves you. If you've sinned, if you've messed up, God loves you. If you've fallen short and if you've, if you've gotten off track, God, God loves you. He, he's calling you back home. You see, today, I don't, I don't believe this is a coincidence. I believe even more than honoring the awesome pastors in this house. I believe today's gathering was because there's somebody here who's just been drifting away that feels far from God. I want you to know that God is in this place, and he loves you, and he's calling you back home. He's calling you back home. I, I want to close with this. The last thing I want to share out of the, uh, the verse number 58, it says, give yourselves fully. Give yourselves fully. Verse 58 says this, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So the person who was writing this in 1 Corinthians was the Apostle Paul. And so he goes through his ups and he goes through his downs and he goes through his really difficult seasons. 
And he writes this almost, I, I believe that, and, and what you'll find in, in, in what Pastor George and, and many of the pastors and preachers can attest to is that sometimes God will, will use you to minister to, to people, but many times God is using that very word to minister to you first. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit, in, 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 in having Paul write this, uh, the Holy Spirit was ministering to Paul as well. Because Paul would confront uh, uh, not being able to see sometimes the fruit of all the work. The question was, everything that he did, was it in vain? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. And as you have helped his people and continue to help them. I just want to talk to Pastor George. I want to talk to all the pastors here. I believe that God sees the work that you're doing. I believe that God sees that work. And sometimes we feel, is what I'm doing worth it? I want to share with the church today, I, besides Pastor George being an awesome friend and, 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 and helping us with the renovation, I went to Pastor George when I was going through a really, really difficult time in ministry. And I was myself, you know, after 10 years of doing church and leading a church, I asked myself, Did, it, should I keep on going? I, I feel really discouraged. And I remember I went to Pastor George's house, and he said, Phil, and I, I'll never forget this. He said, Phil, you can do anything you want to do except quit. That's what he told me. And I remember, I remember that's what I held on to through those seasons of discouragement through the seasons of not seeing the fruit of my labor. He said, Phil, you, you, want, you could try new programs, do new things. You, whatever you want to do, you could do anything you want except quit. You know, nowadays our church is experiencing one of the greatest revivals that we've ever experienced. And it was that God used Pastor George to encourage me and saying, don't give up. Don't quit. You see, Pastor George, you may not see the results of your work and you may not see the results of every word that you say but there are so many people even here today that say I've been so blessed through my pastor there's there's a poem that I have in that's hung up in my office and it helps me to keep me keep a perspective on ministry and I want to share it with you today George uh, it's a poem written by Mother Teresa and this is what she writes People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight, create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous, be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten, do good anyway. Give the best you have and it may never be enough, give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God, it was never between you and them anyway.
I want to speak to and I want to encourage those of you perhaps that are going through a difficult storm, tough season. And you're saying, man, I've been, I've been doing this for a long time. And God, don't you see all that I've done for you? And sometimes you ask yourself, why is it that I'm going through what I'm going through? Romans 8, Paul writes one of the most powerful uh, sentences in scripture. He writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. God wants you to know, don't give up, don't quit, keep pressing forward. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to invite you to join me as, as we pray today. worship team can join uh, me and we're gonna sing and worship and pray together and I'm just gonna invite you to take this moment to just have a moment of reflection just asking yourself where am I with God maybe you're here you're struggling and you're just wondering God how am I gonna make it to the other side maybe you're here today and you're saying God I I feel like giving up. I believe God brought me here to share with you the fact that he loves you so much. And no matter what turmoil you may be facing, he has your life in the palm of his hand. I'm going to invite you to join me as we pray. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this time of worship, this time of hearing your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak and minister, continue to minister, Lord God, and convict the hearts of those who are here. There are, the, there are some, Lord God, that have drifted away, and there are some who just walk in guilt and shame, and Lord, not understanding your love, I pray that you would pour out your love in this place. For those who don't have a relationship with you, or perhaps one time did, and God, I pray, Lord God, as you're calling them home, I pray that you would convict them with your Holy Spirit. Help them to know who you are. Help them to come close to you. For those who are going through storm seasons right now, Lord God, I just pray that you would minister to them right now. I just want to take a few moments right now here at Sanctuary. I know my brother, Pastor George, and the leaders, and just as a church, believe so much in the power of prayer, and I believe God is ministering to you right now. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I feel like God was speaking to me. I feel like I'm that person that was drifting, or maybe you're here today saying, I have a relationship with God, but I'm just going through hell and high water right now. And I just need to be encouraged. If you're here today and you need anything from the Lord, I'm going to invite you just to come forward uh, right in front of this stage, and we're going to pray together. If you need anything from God, maybe you just need somebody to pray with you and be encouraged. And maybe you want to make that step today and say, I just want to have a relationship with God. And I want you to know that it is not a coincidence that you're here today. I believe that God has you here on purpose. Praise God. Somebody bless the name of the Lord. And so I'm going to invite you to come forward. We're going to pray together. I would love if some of the leaders and perhaps you're already here at, at, in front of the stage, if some leaders would come and join me. And 
and just kind of get close to those who came up and just begin to pray with them and pastors and leaders and deacons if you're here right now if you would just come forward there's a wonderful group of people who are here that need something from God and so if you just find somebody and pray over them the prayer team if you're here come come forward and so the worship team is going to begin to once again lead us in song and so I'm going to invite those leaders and prayer team and, and deacons and pastors and everybody who who ordinarily prays if you would come up here we're going to pray together and so if you would just find somebody and begin to pray with them as the worship team leads us in song and after that you'll hear from pastor mark i believe and just want to say i love you thank you so much for listening to me over these last few moments let's worship the lord